0: test Okay, Kim. Testing, unmute. Tell me you can hear me, and then mute again.
1: I'm here.
2: I'm sorry. I could. I, I, I'm sorry.
0: I'm here. <laughs> Kim. 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 Yes. All right. Great. Go ahead. You can mute back. Okay. Marlo. Good evening. All right, Jim, test it. Jim, testing. I'm here. Jim, testing. Jim.
2: You calling Kim? I'm here.
0: Jim, Jim, J-I-M. James, testing.
3: can you hear me now
1: 10 9 yes 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1
0: good evening and welcome to another great show cliff burton friends featuring the very best in women's sports and hbcu athletics i want to have each of my co hosts marlo And James, open your mic and tell everybody hello. Marlo. Good
4: evening, everyone.
0: All righty. James. Good evening. All righty, coming in loud and clear, great. And we'll introduce our special guest in about 28 minutes. I also wanna say hello to Jeff Butts, who's listening as well. And we're asking to put his thoughts, and the rest of our listeners put your thoughts in the chat room. Now, here we go. The woman of the month. What can we say? Another, none up than Rudolph, Wilma Rudolph. She was an Olympic champion, and in the early 1960s was the most highly visible black woman in America and abroad. She, get, she became a role model for black and, and female athletes, and her Olympic success helped elevate women's track and field in the United States. Rudolph is also regarded as a civil rights and women's rights pioneer. In 1962, she retired from a competition at the peak of her athletic career as a world record holder in the 100 and 200 meter individual events and the 400 by 100-meter ladies. Again, after competing in the 1960 Summer Olympics, she graduated from Tennessee State University and became an educator and a coach. We will have so much more on this great woman that overcame so much, including many childhood illnesses early on, to become one of the greatest sprinters to ever ever lived wilma rudolph marlo i'm gonna let you go first and then james is talking about wilma rudolph
4: marlo what a legend what a track and field legend and i'm just super excited that she is the woman of the month since i um also attended Tennessee State University. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What a number one, Tiger Bell. And of course, uh, one of my sorrows as well. But it's just an honor just to have her as the woman of the month. Um, And it's, it's just, I was thinking back and you don't realize the legends that you meet or come across. And I had the opportunity to meet her on campus um, one year and when she came and it was just, you know, you're just not starstruck, mm-hmm. but it's just like amazing that these great people, uh, you know, they were just everyday people. And, um, and just to sit back now, and you didn't realize that when you are a student on campus, um, you know, the honor that you have to just meet these people what can i say just my hat goes off to her wilma rudolph
0: all righty jim
3: yes uh wilma rudolph overcame so much as a youngster you know wearing braces and couldn't really walk to become a hall of fame athlete time to talk talk to people when they called her out and wanted to talk to her so she was just a great person overall
0: amen and she also ran for the legendary coach let's not leave him out coach ed temple the late ed temple all right now this is women's month for tonight we're going to give you a double dosage of all the things that women are doing now before we move forward i want us to get ready because march 20th we have a special guest coming as well randy gibbons she is olympian from 1984 Olympics, a track and field sprinter a florida state legend a businesswoman and a motivator and randy gibbons will be here march 20th 8 p.m. We're going to interview her. We don't want to miss it. Randy Gibbons. Now, before there was the Williams sisters, let me give you some history. We have a lot of it tonight on the women. There were two sisters, Margaret and Matilda Rumania, Peters. They were African American tennis stars in the 1930s. They were so good. They grew up in Georgetown District of Washington, D.C., and they received scholarships in tennis and basketball to Tuskegee Institute, four year scholarships. They both excelled so well at doubles tennis that they played in many tournaments in the ATA, American Tennis Association. They won. 14 double titles, okay? They couldn't compete against white people at the time, but they are truly legends. So before there was the Williams sisters, there was the graduates of Tuskegee Institute, 1941, Margaret and Matilda Peters. Marlo, I know you've been intrigued with this story. Tell us what you think.
4: Who knew? Thank you, Dr. Burr for bringing this story to the forefront because we just always thought um, that the Williams sisters were the uh, first set of sisters, um, you know, that actually played doubles and won so many tournaments. Um, And just to know that we had another pair um of sisters that actually played who we can definitely be proud of um, i think is wonderful thanks for definitely bringing this story to the forefront because i had no idea at all
0: all righty jim it's
3: always good that during african-american history month or women's month or whatever month that we're celebrating that we go back and get some unknown legends that no one that were that are not as known as well as the Williams sisters. So I'm glad that you highlighted these two sisters and their accomplishments.
0: Thanks so much, Jim. And and we want our listeners also who want to put something in the chat, please do, and we'll read it. Now, our women have been doing so much with basketball, business track and field, here's one for you. Neil Ivey, she's the present coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. She played in the WNBA. She was assistant coach at Notre Dame. She helped lead Notre Dame to the national championship as a player. And this past two weeks ago, she became the first African-American female coach to win a women's regular season ACC title in basketball. So, hey, keep it up, Neil. We have some more for you. Also, in the same breath, Coach of the Year, and none other than Don Staley. Thirty-seven and zero, South Carolina Gamecocks, and uh, Dawn has just won the seventh conference tournament, SEC title. She's only second to Pat Hentelman, who has seventeen. Where do you think Dawn's going? I'm gonna come to you first, James, on this one. Because we know Dawn is in for greatness. Jim?
3: Well, Dawn Staley is the only, right now, the only undefeated coach in men's or women's basketball. They just won the uh, SEC for, I believe, the seventh time in nine years. And Mm -hmm. she's trying to repeat as a back to back champion. So, you know, after Pat Summer retired, I think the next great rivalry is going to be Dawn Staley and Gino Ariyama at. You Yeah. So half little known fact, and all of her accomplishments.
0: Yeah. A little known fact, Jim. Dawn Staley is the only person to replete to receive coach of the year as a player and a coach. Either league, men or women. She's done so much for the game and continues to do it. Marlo, Dawn Staley, what do you think?
4: Congratulations, Coach Staley. I enjoy watching her. Um, I am just really happy when I see her because she just have like a fight in her. You know, she she walks out on the court and just like demand respect. Um, so I, I am so proud of her and her team. Um, and I really hope they repeat this year. So it's going to be an exciting um, tournament. Um, so the best is yet to come with Coach Staley.
0: Yes, and they'll find out what where she's going this coming Sunday when they announce the field of 64. Let's move on. We have some more greatness from the ladies. Now, let's go to HBCU, Tamika Reed. Everybody talks about the greatness of Deion Sanders on their campus. But Coach Tamika Reed, the women's basketball coach, has just won her fourth consecutive regular season a conference title. She also has been undefeated in conference play for the last three years. And last year in the big dance, she took Kim and LSU down to the wire. She is one of the best coaches in America and chose to stay at Jackson State. She could be anywhere in the country. Jim Tamika Reed, tell us what you're thinking.
3: Well, you mentioned you mentioned deon sanders i believe his daughter shalome is playing on that team but she's done wonders what she's you know with uh jackson state she won her game in the uh challenge against the uh, uh pac-12 team she's just you know I, I just can't say enough about her about what she's done and what she continues to do and like you say i'm sure there will be people calling for her to go to a higher level. But I think she's the Jackson State for the near future.
0: Yeah. Kim Mulkey suggested the coach at LSU that she wouldn't be there long after she played him so close last year. But uh, Tamika Reed is in for the state. All right. Marlo, Tamika Reed, what do you think?
4: Oh, I think she's a great coach. Um, She definitely – she would definitely take the Tiger, um, the women Tigers, um, up to another level. She um, actually, but this is like her second time winning the SWAT Coach of the Year within the last two Third, years. Third time, Okay. Mm-hmm. In the last, what, two or three years. Um, so um, they better watch out because she's coming for them.
0: Mm-hmm. All righty. Tamika Reed. Now, we have some other great news. The women are doing it. Niki, N-I-K-E, Aguni Biare, got a new one for you, A-G-U-N-B-I-A-D-E. She is the first black female college competitor to win two championships in the Pac-12 in diving. Okay, Whoa. so we we have, yeah. look it up. we're setting records everywhere Contra- congratulations and i'm just gonna call her nikki okay what do you think about that jim diving diving i
3: think any sport that we have participation and we grow up playing it that we can do well in and this is a, this is a perfect example of a young lady who's been diving for a long time, gets to college, and wins the Pac-12 diving championship. You know, we can do anything we get our mind to and get a chance to do. Absolutely. You you know what school
0: she's at?
3: I wanna say Stanford, but I'm not sure. uh -uh,
0: USC, USC. Oh, okay. Yeah, USC so yes she's uh she's doing it up but she's a senior so we got to get somebody replace her we have some more for you here we are uh sunita no santia deck she's a professional woman football player who just signed a multi-million dollar contract with the women's football league association now that's not what we're here for she also went on and opened her own shoe company, Tronus, T-R-O-N-U-S. The first shoe company ever owned by a female, black or white, and she's African-American. That's big. Marlo, I'm gonna let you talk on this one. That's big.
4: That's huge. Um, of course, we don't hear about these stories on the mainstream, um, uh, you know, television, uh, but that is, that's that's wonderful. That's huge. Um, I mean, what can I say? <laughs> I, would have, I would definitely have to look this one up, Dr. Yep. Bird. This is a new one.
0: Yeah, S-A-N-T-I-A. Deck, look up the story. All righty, told you we had a lot you for you her too, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I told you we had some more. This is Women's Month, but they've done so much <laughs> just this week. Michigan gymnastics. Everybody's talking about HBCU's Fisk team and Talladega. They have one coming next HBCU, but other. African-American gymnasts at PWIs are doing great things. Her name is Sierra Brooks, University of Michigan gymnastics team, African-American. She has won the big 10 best Gymnast of the week six times this year. Uh Uh-oh. And I believe she's the only African-American on the team. We saw Rutgers and Fisk and Michigan compete this year about a month ago. And I remember seeing this young lady, she is phenomenal. And we have some in Auburn and other places and we don't wanna leave them out in acknowledging the great things that our women are doing in gymnastics. So one more time, Sierra Brooks. OK, before we go to break, I'm going to talk a little more business, because our women are doing it in the business as well. This past week, tennis great Venus Williams has signed an co- agreement and been named the operating partner for the private equity firm Top Spin Consumer Partners. And she'll be helping the market, business, uh, wellness, and health care. So she is an operating partner of a private equity firm. Way to show us what to do, Venus. Way to go. Now, before we go to our sports and our brass and women's, in case you didn't know, there's a woman, a big time owner, Sheila Johnson. You may remember her husband was Bob Johnson. Sheila Johnson is the only black woman who is an owner of three professional sports teams. Look it up. Then I could tell you this is mainstream. Sheila Johnson. All righty. Now. Let's get down to the madness, March madness. And here we go. There are three teams. we talk about NAIA this week and Division Two. We'll talk Division One, Division Three next week. But NAIA, three teams from the Gulf Coast. Nope, nope, NAIA. Two teams from the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Philander Smith, women and Russ College women begin play tomorrow in the National NIA Basketball Tournament. We wanna wish both of those teams well. They're the only HBCU teams from the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Sorry about that, okay. Now, the third team in that tournament is Florida Memorial University. They're from the Sun Conference and they won that conference this year. So let's wish our three women's teams well as they begin the NAIA championship run tomorrow. 64 teams, we hope one of them win it. Division two, Elizabeth City State Vikings, who won the CIAA and Tuskegee women, who won the SIAC, will be getting played on March the 10th in the Division II national tournament. Now, Elizabeth City, 20 and 10, who won their first conference tournament, will be playing the Division II defending national champion, Glenville State. Glenville State, 29 and 2. Elizabeth City State, 20 and 10. And then the Tuskegee Bulldogs, the Lady Bulldogs, 26 and 3, will open up against Tampa, 30 and 1. Division 2, they start out with eight regions, and then they get eight winners after three rounds. They restructure the tournament for the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And this year, the Division 2 finals will be at the same site as the Division 1 finals in Dallas, Texas, April 1st weekend. So we wish all of our teams well and we hope our HBCUs can win the whole thing. We'll be back in just about 1 minute. back to Cliff Burton's friends. I want to say hello to Dr. Harry Hamilton and Jeffrey Morse. We see you've joined the show tonight. Welcome to the show. Men's, Jim. Well,
3: we have three teams that have made the basketball, men's basketball, NAIA Division II National Playoff picture. Tougaloo from the GCAC, Langston, and Xavier University, who used to be in the GCAC. All these teams are going to be playing this week. We wish them luck. In terms of uh the uh CIAA and the uh SAIC, Winston Salem from the CIAA made it. They won their championship. You know if they, the prize they get for winning their championship? It's they it. faced the number one seed, Indiana <laughs> University of Pennsylvania. Virginia Union, who led the uh, CIAA most of the year, faces number five, the fifth seed, Fairmont State. Miles College in the SIC Championship game defeated Benedict and Miles will face Nova Southeastern Now we had a couple of incidents this week mm. first one would be a uh, young man at Georgia Jalen Carter who had to leave the combine because of charges of he was uh, drag racing and speeding in uh, athens at the time when his teammate was killed in another car after it rolled over teammate and another young lady he wasn't driving the car but it appears that he could fall one part one uh projection has him fallen out of the top 10 i do not believe that i think that he will Chicago Bears will end up getting him. That's just my opinion there.
0: <coughs> now, Jim? No. Yes. Can I just clarify for our audience? This young man is a member of the University of Georgia the National Championship football team that just won uh, Division One.
3: I'm sorry, correct? I should have set it up better. That's okay. They had just left the uh, Sanford Stadium in Athens. To celebrate their back to back national championship, one gathers that, you know, some of the players went out, drunk some stuff, and then started drag racing down the street of Athens. Now, again, he was not driving the car with the two deaths that rolled over, but he left the scene of the accident came back said that he was in the apartment complex next door and heard it and came out Mm. and then it comes out later that he actually was uh racing and may have had some alcohol so he probably decided to stay away from there now this is is bad that people died in it but i do not believe that he was responsible for the deaths And I think, he, you know, one thing that we don't say in all these things, he's got to live with that the rest of his life. Sure he does. That he he had a friend. And there was another young man, Willie McClendon, who he is eligible for the draft, but he suffered some injuries. We don't know how severe they are. Are they going to prevent him from being drafted? But, you know, he'll have to live with those things the rest of his life. And we'll see how he deals with it.
0: We'll pray now, for Shadur
3: Sanders. So. Yeah, we're going to, have to pray for him, the families of the lost, and the families of the hurt. Injured, yeah. I'm sorry. Now, Shadur Sanders became the HBCU College Player of the Year for his second and final season at Jackson State this year. I was looking about his chances to make the NFL. And a lot of it depends on how well he does at Jackson, at uh, Colorado this year. When we saw him this year play at the uh, Southern Heritage Classic, he, lo- he looked real good. He looked like he could throws. He had some pocket presence. He look like that, you know, he has some escapability and I think he's got a great chance
0: mm-hmm.
3: but, but he's going to he's gonna be going up against a higher level of competition so again, we wish him well in the Pac-12 and You know, hopefully we'll get I think Steve McNair was the number one pick and I believe Tavares Jackson was a number two pick and um Doug Williams was number one. So hopefully Shadur will get, become the fourth player from HBCU college to receive that high of a draft status. Sure. Now, the more pressing or the more Mm. that just came up this weekend is about John Moran. And, you know, he, has gotten into some trouble this year you know a lot of it is alleged there was an incident where the uh you they were playing indiana pacers in memphis they some ja got into it with some memphis players and somebody shown a uh laser red laser into the bus of the pacers Now, the Pacers have off-duty policemen. I believe the guy might have been an FBI person that said it appeared to have been a gun laser and not just a laser pointer. Then he had an incident with a 17-year-old where he threatened him and, you know, I think uh, was real aggressive with him, allegedly. Allegedly. And then there was an incident where his mother had his cell phone taken at a mall, and he and his buddies went up there to go and get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, doing some research on Ja, you realize that he did not grow up in the streets. He went to he's he from South Carolina, went to a private school. I, you know, if I were if I were to write an open letter to him. I would say, you know, don't be who you're not. I, and I truly believe that these people are not friends from South Carolina. I believe they're friends he met in Memphis. You need to have friends that have your best interests at heart, that aren't gonna lead you astray. And if you if they feel that you're doing something wrong, check you and make sure that it doesn't happen. Because as people have said, The NBA has been watching him for a while. So they probably know more than we know. And they will act accordingly. You know, this young man is, he's, he's uber talented. He's on the cusp of becoming a superstar. And, you know, nowadays we used to say you can make millions but I truly believe that if he gets his act together He can make billions. He's a lucrative deal with Nike and Powerade right now at 23. You know, if if he can get away from this, for lack of a better word, thug life and come back Mm -hmm. to the norm and just do normal things, he he can have it all. But he's got to change now. And this latest incident where he had an IG video, Instagram video, Where he was flashing and brandishing a gun Is very dangerous Not only to himself But As a role model to youth You can't have that image out there of you You know He has a daughter You gotta think of that daughter You don't want Anybody to go out there and think Since Ja did it I can do it No That's something you need not do because it's very dangerous and you know especially with what happened in Memphis last month with the tragic death of the young man by the police we need to we need to watch that and not have these negative images out there and I'd like to ask you guys at this point what do you guys think about this
0: well Jim I'm gonna jump in you know we talked about this first of all I don't believe this generation of young players are getting or adhering the advice of the old school players. When you look at Charles Barkley or you look at, okay, Charles Barkley, listen to Julius servant okay, Magic, listen to Kareem. And when those guys said, don't do this young man, they didn't do it. My question is, now LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving is considered one of the older guys. Are they pulling these young guys aside, and are the young guys willing to listen?
3: He might need, you know, I know Jalen Rose gave him some great advice on Friday on uh, NBA Countdown. (laughs) He might need to get somebody like that, and Jalen Rose is not someone that this is foreign to. When he was at Michigan with the Fab Five, he went to visit a friend. It turned out to be a crack house, and although he had no involvement in it, you know he had, you know he had to play a game, and you know you up the famous game up in Illinois where they're crack house, crack house, and just say no and taunting him. He learned from it. He had a time where he was out in California. Somebody shot at his car. So he, and he's from, you know, he's from the the inner city of Detroit. So he's someone, and he has a school to help out Mm -hmm. inner city youth. So he's someone that I think can reach a John Morant and steer him in the right way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of these things are done privately and not done public for the public to, you know you know where he can get real with him on some things yes i'm sorry Cliff.
1: no i
0: was just saying that this is a a real thing and i sure hope some of the older guys pull him aside lebron clean 20 years and he came in at 18 years old and there are others julia servant magic other than the womanizer thing no guns robbery Stuff like that. Michael. So I hope the guys who have managed to navigate that life and be pretty successful can grab him, be an active or a former player.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I hope that the LeBron method can become commonplace where you take your high school friends, send them to college so they can be your business advisor, your manager, mm-hmm. And watch out for you and not, and, you know, do good, do good where they get their own careers can make their own money and they're not hangers on, they're partners yeah. in it. And that's what I wish a lot of these young people would do make your, make your, make your, make your boys partners.
0: Jim, because I remember, I, say thank you. I, I gotta go to a break. Okay. And then everybody's waiting to hear from Kimberly it was Clark. But Jim, we're going to continue this conversation next week, okay? Great insight, Jim. Sure. Thank you. We'll go a minute break. Thank you. Even though she never played or organized sports, she has been building up a basketball team and a league rooted in the community and making history while doing so. In June of 2022, Kimberly Meadow Clark and her business partner Kevin Williams Sr. launched the HBCU Basketball Association, the nation's first professional basketball league solely for athletes who attended HBCUs. is advertised as the NBA of HBCUs and they're looking to kick it off this year. Kimberly Meadow-Clarks is one of the best business minds in professional sports. She brings a passion to the league that I believe will be unmatched. She's the right woman to lead the HBCU BA into its future. Everybody, let's welcome to the show, Kimberly. Meadows, Clark. Kim, hello.
2: Hello, Tiffin, how are you? Hello,
0: everyone. Hi, how, how you doing? And, oh, and really I, will let our audience, good. I will let our audience know, we'll probably go to about 9.05 or 9.10, so we're not gonna cut it short with Kim. Kim, before we get started, and uh, Marlo and Jim go ahead and undo your mics, because I want you to jump in. But Kim, I wanna tell you personally, about a year ago, we started this concept the best of women's athletics in HBCU sports. We were on the Mark Jones show. You were one of our first guests. And because of the quality of women, women like you, it forced the demand to expand this platform. And that's why we're here today. I want to tell you personally, Kim, thank you so much
2: for having me <laughs> all okay
0: well, kim tell our audience a little bit about yourself i know you're hbcu grad how you got into basketball ownership and then about the league
2: okay well let's correct something i'm not a hbcu hbcu grad so let's go into my story okay um i am i was a team um, I have no formal business, um, training. Um, I just was always in the right place at the right time to learn and gain resources. Um, along the way I was able to intern with a city official, um, in my early twenties to learn how to, um, champion for semi proteins and pro teams to come to our city. From there, I started learning the business of basketball, how to set up a league, um, what positions need to be filled. Um, A couple of teams that came here, I actually worked on those teams and I I worked one for free and one I got paid for. Um, But that's kind of how I got introduced to sports because I originally was into politics and entertainment. Um, And I, you know, I have a god brother that has played professionally. Um, uh, my other god brother is Paul Showtime Gaffney from the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, I have another good friend, Gerard Mustaf, who played in the NBA for like 12, 15 years. Um, I've made connections and um, get encouragement for Terry Cummings, um,
1: mm.
2: been um, empowered by Jason Caffey from his words, just checking in to make sure I'm good. So. Through the journey, I've met some great people who are older in the game. that kind of encourage me and those who are, some are encouraging me only and some are encouraging me and we're working, doing projects together. But however, um, how I got to the the business of basketball, as I say, um, let me say this, the blessing of basketball. (laughs) I was working at a homeless shelter and a young man, we. This particular summer, we had an influx of youth that were um, released from the foster care system between ages of 18 and 23. And they were just taking these young men from across the state of Alabama and dropping them off in front of any shelter. Mm -hmm. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what was going on. So we got about, I know we got about six or seven of those young men myself and the executive director were the youngest employees at the shelter at that time my job was to create curriculum and execute it for um our homeless patrons that needed assistance transitioning back into society and so when they came in of course me and the executive director being younger i had a daughter around their age that time we were like okay we can relate to them more so she was hands-on with me trying to get them acclimated trying to um find them sustainable housing jobs etc so i always believe in growth and goals so when we got to the goals part everyone pretty much was i want to go to trade school i want to go to college to be this Um, i just want a job and I had one guy, he was like six foot five, <laughs> six foot six. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, yeah, Miss Kim, I'm playing. I want to play in the NBA. you going to make that happen? And I'm like, okay, I'm always up for a challenge, but this one right here is going to be kind of hard, especially at that time. Birmingham didn't even have a G League team. We do now, but at that time, we had nothing going. And so I reached out to um, an associate of mine that had a semi-pro team, but it was dormant. And I was like, "Look, what I got to do to help you bring the team back? What what can we do to get this guy a tryout? Just anything for him to achieve this goal." Now I'm going to pause here in the story and tell you why that is important. Going back to my story, I was a teen mom. Um, I I've, I've been to college a couple of times, but life happened, mm-hmm. and. I had goals. I wanted to be in a sorority. I wanted to graduate from HBC. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to um, be this, 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 this criminal psychologist or an attorney. I just had all these goals, but life happened. And I went through life doing a lot of things. It was like, well, what if I would have just went on and then listened to everybody because I had a GED and went to college, um, even though I had a kid. Um, Thinking from what everybody else was telling me would slow me down, etc. Um, what if I and I and I lived my life for several years with all these great opportunities, afraid to in, approach them correctly because I felt like an imposter. I'm like, I can't deserve this. I haven't worked as hard as anybody else, even though I was doing the work. I just did the work differently. I just was not afforded the opportunity that they were. In college, I was just in the world living that experience that they had to go through so much other stuff before they could even get there so Mm -hmm. as i got older i just always believed that you know we have to cut out sometimes the what ifs in people's lives and allow them to live out our dream their dreams so i um i told a young man i said i'm gonna work on it so talked to my friend conversations transpired and they say, I know I get a call from the ABA. And they were like, yeah, um, we you reached out about some assistance with a, a team that was in your city. Um, there are some legalities, but we would like to talk to you about owning a team. And I was like, I just bust out laughing. I was like, <laughs> owning a team? I said, you know, I work for a nonprofit. I work for the homes. You know, I don't, I don't have millions of dollars. They was like, no, 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 no. It doesn't cost that much. Um, but we kind of googled you, read your story of the work that you're doing, and we feel like you would be a good fit because you're community driven. So I was thinking to myself, if I got this team, I can't just do it for the business of basketball. It has to, it has to mean something. It has mm-hmm. to be effective, um, not just for myself or my family, but for the players and for the community that I live in. Um, And that's when I discovered social enterprises. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. So what I did was I had a little money invested. So the wannabe attorney in me negotiated my contract myself. um, (laughs) And I told them, as we went through numbers, I said, you have one more number. I said, if you can, I said, I'm not gonna tell you, but I have some money to invest. If you can match that number and miss it by I said, between, I think five and $20, I'll do it. They negotiated their contract. The next number they sent me matched my total number of money I had to invest.
1: Wow! And
2: um, I went to the bank and got to catch your check and sent the money off. Oh. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and then I called my husband. To-
1: <laughs> <laughs> <You> <laughs> um, know- you hey,
0: like, what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kim, they also say you're, give you the title, sportspreneur. Am I right? Yeah. All right, tell us about that. Because you're truly that. Tell us how that came about. Well,
2: um people just always ask me what I did. And though I, I sit on a few boards and, um, I assist you know, non-profits, et cetera, et cetera. I, um, everything, I've, if, if you look back to even my entertainment days, I did a mm-hmm. lot of things around sports and athletes. If you look, when I interned with the politician, I was doing sports, not knowing it was going to lead me to where I am today. Um, then I got the team. And then I do a lot of sporting events that are community driven so i got so tired of just saying i'm a social entrepreneur i'm i'm naming everything i do and i was like what can i just say to make it simple because i've helped with class football i've helped with arena football i've done so much and i'm like what what can i say and so that's where i came up with the sportspreneur
1: <laughs> all right all right and i'm gonna
0: come to uh marlo let me ask you one more question and then marlo and then jim kim
1: uh-huh.
0: the lead the lead coming up um tell us the timing the draft the information because we want to this this uh podcast goes out about 15 platforms and we want people to get informed so let's know what we need to do
2: okay so as you know originally the league was supposed to start this summer Mm -hmm. but we got our media contract deal late which means they was probably going to have to move a lot of stuff around to Help us with filming and stuff like that. So, we came to an agreement to actually launch the league next summer. Now, the only difference is you'll have a couple of flagship teams playing throughout the summer for HBCU Go TV to record content to show um, because it would be easier than I'm trying to track all six teams at one time. (laughs) So, it would kind of lead up to that. So, I think that's why I was telling you yesterday. I had to tell you that. We switch the dates around to accommodate media Mm -hmm. and um create some more some more content so that we can um make sure that we're putting the best product out possible for um for for TV. I mean this is a big deal. We we have a deal with Byron Allen, so come on now
1: Come on now that
2: we do is excellent and greatness because he's affording us this opportunity and so i want to definitely um thank his team um clint and and um curtis for just being in our corner um it's just amazing like i just you know said i want us to be on HBCU go tv i just i spoke it out there and i made a call to our media liaison and he was like is that what you want I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, let's see if we can make it happen." It wasn't seventy-two hours. I was on a call, and it took us about three months to do the deal. But they called me in the middle of them preparing for the Brio Awards that day. They was like, Byron wants the press release out now. He needs your quote. We need a picture." And I was like, "Huh?" He was like, "He's here now, saying he wants to put the press release out now." And I was like, "Huh?" Okay. <laughs> he was like he's ready to go, and I was like, "Okay." So I did that, and I think within 48 hours of the Greer Awards, even the next day, sometime within that time, uh, they shot an email where they had already sent it out and Sports Illustrated had picked it up.
0: No, that person. Kim, we have a yeah. question, and we have from uh, Dr. Marla Kemp, co-host, and then Jim. But before we do, Dr. Harrod Hamilton in the chat, loves the mm-hmm. show. James loves the show. We're getting a lot of comments. I told you, Kim, you drive our ratings up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kim, go ahead.
4: Man, Kim, I just want to say that you are inspiration. And just because you think that your path didn't go like other people's paths are supposed to go, um, everybody's path was is definitely different. You know, the, the goal is as long as you get to the goal, that's what matters. And honey, let me tell you, you are definitely doing it. Um, it is just it is awesome just to hear your story and then just to know that you are out there, you know, helping the community um, and, and helping people to be, you know, so much better than, you know, where they started. So my question um, is, how did you get those young men to, to believe in you and what your team was doing for them, you know, early on and, and whatever happened to the young man? um, who said he wanted to play in the NBA.
2: Okay. Oh, that's going (laughs) to be amazing to hear that. But when I I started the team, the guys were very, um, leery only because they had been through so much. We we've had some now after I quit working with the semi-professional, um, sector here, We had a few other teams and instances and things happen that made the guys so leery that they were kind of scared to deal with me. But I was like, look, if you just if I believe in you, I just need you to believe in me just a little bit like a monster. seed. I don't need you to to give me much. I'm just going to show you what I can do. And so the first game, you know, I told them it's pay to play. Now, keep in mind, my husband and I are funding all of this really out of our pocket. I'm trying not to really go for sponsors because they have been burnt as well in the city. So I want to put a product on the floor with minimum sponsorship to show them that it can happen. We can gain a following and it can be successful. The first game, it was packed. I'm not going to lie. We had probably... We were in a high school gym to hold a thousand people. We probably had over a thousand because they were turning people around the fire department game. And <laughs> um, I remember after the game, I didn't have enough money to pay them what I promised. And it was because I, let so, I had so many people on the guest list to get in because I just wanted them to see that it could happen. And the guys were sitting there, and I was like, "Look, I can't give y'all the hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. I promise, but I can give each one of y'all seventy five dollars and feed y'all." I told them that. They was like, "We ain't never got that." I was like, "I won. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, you know, my thing was, "Look, I don't know if we can pay y'all every game, but you won't won't have to pay for travel if you decide to buy your own, drive your own car. I'll pay for your gas, I'll fill your tank up." I said, if you, uh, if we got to go somewhere and stay overnight, I take care of your hotel rooms. Your uniforms are taken care of. Even in their personal lives, hey, something come up. What you mean a bill? Do you don't have the money? Here you go. I can pay the bill. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, You get injured. We taking you to the hospital. We're we're covering your medical bill. Like Mm we doing so much to show them that just hang in there. It's gonna get better. And from that first year up until COVID, it was hard for us to get new players because none of our old players would go anywhere. No. No. <laughs> but um, what I can say is those guys were, you know, we always wanted to know what they really what their end goal was. Of course, all of them want to go overseas or play in the NBA. But we're just going to be realistic: less than one percent. <laughs> Of college athletes, high school athletes, we talking about co- collectively can go to the NBA or the G League, and mm-hmm. and really overseas is not the best fit um, because if you're not a center, if you're not a big, you're not making all the money, and you're not living. You're living in subpar conditions. Mm-hmm. So it was just okay if this doesn't work. What really is next? We had one guy he and he could sing. <laughs> well, we had two, he ended up going to. He went to China. Um, he ended up doing some stuff with Anthony Hamilton. We got him hooked up with that. Had another guy he saw. Um, we encouraged him. He he works with Ricky Smiley. We had another guy. He was a player, then a, our coach. He wanted to um, be um, a, a high school coach and athletic director, and that's what he's doing now. Um, other guys wanted to finish college. They have, so we have computer engineers, Um, I mean uh, that first that first group of guys until covid they are doing amazing things We have one guy still playing it's actually going overseas this summer. So he's finally about to live out his dream
0: James
3: Well, I would like to know how we can help you In terms of making your league a success
2: I just ask people to share a story. Um, it's not about me ever. Um, I was telling my team, um, my brother that played professionally, played for the Globe, not what well, Paul as well, but my, my god brother, he played for the Globe Trotters, played in the NBA a little bit. And I was talking to him the other day and I was like, please know that when we approach meetings, um, Whatever we do, we're asking people how we can help them. I say we have a product that is beneficial for everyone. There are PWIs that need. There are HBCUs that don't have courses or degree majors that PWIs have that we can create pipelines for. We're working on that now with a major university in Alabama. We we there are things in the community, our underserved, and underrepresented communities. Our babies don't know about HBCUs like we did growing up. They know about Alabama and Auburn and Michigan and Notre Dame. They don't know about these great hundred plus HBCUs Mm -hmm. in the United States. They don't know about three of them got closed down a few years ago. And if you didn't know, Lewis College in Michigan is open back up, it's Penso Lewis. Um, We're working with them. So, you know, we're just... (laughs) we are just in place to be a blessing because i want to make sure that nobody misses any opportunities or wonders what if i i would have we are the come on do your what if you would have and from there on you i'm sorry y'all that's my grandson that's okay (laughs) what if from there you know you find yourself in those what ifs, living them out, what you thought would be a what if you find yourself. So, all I ask people to do is share the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mention our name in a room where we might not be mentioned in. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: and keep us uplifted and encouraged. Yeah.
0: Kim, yeah. your model, when you explained it before, mm-hmm. tell us the cities that the Legal being, mm-hmm. and then the games as far as uh, in that community, mm-hmm. vendors, entrepreneurs, kind of like a CIW tournament where everybody can benefit from those communities. But tell us about your model.
2: Okay, so the model is that you'll have six teams from the southeast. That's Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Texas missing one oh and louisiana so those six, six cities we have a team represented in the league um and the games are just like big big hbcu homecomings. you're mm-hmm. gonna have step shows alumni mixers, so vendors gonna be able to participate for every event um community engagement will be community service um making sure that we have college and career days in areas that we know we, we don't want you all to bring the babies to us. I want to be in that city for enough time to have us go to the schools with this information. So it's just working with the schools, having them send the information out. Now, the the model that we have decided to do um, for next year is gonna be totally different than we decided. Because like I said, the issue was trying to get camera crews in all these cities. So we're gonna... Piggyback, I was able last summer to spend some time with um I can't think of his real name, but they call him Moose. He's the CEO of the um of the um USFL, played for mm. the Cowboys. I was able to spend some time with him and, and um their model for the USFL was so impressive because their bubble was here in Birmingham. They had all their teams mm-hmm. here in Birmingham playing. And so I I I asked. HBCU go TV. I said, would it be easier if we did a bubble? And they was like, You are genius. Mm-hmm. And then now, here's the beautiful part about it. Not only will their camera crews be here, but we will be meeting with them as we're moving along, and they will be affording opportunities for local camera crews in certain cities. Like we'll do some stuff and we'll still move around and do some things leading up to the season. But a young black man that's trying to get into media after me with us seeing if he meets the requirements will be able to produce whatever we're filming wow. for HBCU HBCU Go TV where they'll be the executive producers
0: all right kim there's only two maybe one from Tennessee state HBCU grads in the NBA yep. and I'm a touch on another subject and if you want to go fine if you want to say pass we'll pass there are only 144 jobs in the WNBA so it's even tougher for Mm. women to get in the pro ball from the HBCU
1: anything you
0: want to talk about
2: I I can't talk (laughs) about it we will okay. have a, we will have a women's division. All right, um, we will not bring it in 2024, but we will bring it in 2025. Um, and only because when we first reached out about the women's uh, division, they were very leery and I don't, and I don't know all the dynamics of women playing basketball, but the stories I was, get, I was getting and my partner was getting was like, Oh, wait, OK, I can see why you might not want to do this. OK, so let's just build from the guys to give them some momentum and some understanding that we're going to mm-hmm. take care of you. We're focusing on the whole athlete. If you're a mom, whatever it is, if you want to be an entrepreneur, whatever it is, we supporting you, especially as a woman. I am because I completely understand. I have three kids, two grandkids. I completely understand. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: and, and I'm a busy lady, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, on top of being a wife and you know it's just you know so just making sure that they know i understand so right now it's just building those relationships talking to these young ladies talking to coaches um and engaging them to let them know that hey i'm here this can happen but a lot of times we have to understand too you know i can give you all the opportunity in the world but you have to be dedicated you have to be sure of what you want to do you don't have to have a thousand goals. You can have one, one every three months, as long as you're accomplishing you know? them. So I'm excited about the women's um, division myself. I was hoping to do it in 2024, but they say bring it in 2025 okay. so they can see the guys build the momentum up. So I was like, cool. But they definitely need the opportunity. When I saw those numbers, it, it was very discouraging.
0: Yeah. yeah. Marlo, Jim. With we'll you, one more each, and anybody with type a question in the chat for Kim or a comment. Here we go, Jim.
3: Well, I'll start out. How, Kim? How can our audience get in touch with you? Can you give us some websites we can put in the chat?
2: Yes, so they can reach me um, at www. B-H-B-C-U-B-A, basketballassociation.com. They can email me personally, kclark at com. They can visit my personal website at www.sportsbay.org. However you want to reach me. And if you don't feel like doing all that, just look me up on social media. I pretty much respond to everybody. I'm not one of those type of people. Um, and if I can't get in touch with you, my business manager Hey, He takes care of it and make sure that I am following up to get in touch with you because I get so many inboxes, but just definitely reach out. We're looking for vendors. We're looking for sponsors. We're looking for people that want to help with game day. If you just want to know how you can get a ticket, if you just want to know how you can help, just contact us. I mean, it's this is a league of our own, this is really for us,
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
2: um, as a culture. We have always been so inclusive and this is inclusive too, but at this moment in time, we've always been invited to the table and we can bring a leg or we can bring a fork or we can bring the bowl of potato salad or macaron cheese. This time we've built the table. Mm. We got all the condiments, all the food, oh, all man. everything. You just come and eat it.
0: Dr. Kim.
4: Exactly. <laughs> um, Kim, yeah. have you ever thought about using you know like a lot of the colleges have um especially you know hbcus they have um you know like the communication departments you know things like that where their students could um you know maybe do this in terms of filming you know things like that as a like a free internship or you know something just to kind of give them more um experience and you know nowadays they have the the cell phone, so I'm pretty sure they'll know how to work that without uh, using all of the big camera crews. Um, That that was just a thought or something maybe, um, have you guys ever thought about that?
2: So yes, we talked to HBCU Go, so we will be working with colleges and their um, media groups. They'll have an internship through HBCU Go and not us, it looks better on their resume. Well, will be both of us, but HBCU go definitely. <laughs> Being at the top a little better on the mm-hmm. resume. So we've already discussed that. We have that in place. Um, we've also encouraged that anybody that's coming in to try to join the media team to film, that they have to bring on three interns nice. from an HBCU. Nice. So everything we do, you have to involve students, and not just college students, high mm-hmm. school students as well.
0: Kim, you know, you're always welcome. <laughs> and uh, if you're looking for a voice or a radio voice for the league,
2: <clears Colin
0: Clifton. laughs> come on now. <laughs> I'm applying for the job now. But I mean, Listen, this is going to work. This is work. We ask all of our listeners, download this podcast. Let's, let's spread it like viral or virus the next year. And let's make this league work, y'all. The president... HBCU Basketball Association, a league of our own, none other than miss Kimberly Meadows Clark. Thank you all Alrighty. for having me. Thanks so much.
4: Thank you.
0: Now, as we say before we get off the air, if you want any more sports, our sister show, Mark Jones and Friends, every Wednesday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 9:10 a.m. WFDF, you have Jim, he does double duty. Mark, you also have who? Reggie, Jack, and Sal. And I get on there occasionally. Thank you so much. We'll see everybody in 168 hours from now. Again, thank
1: you, Kim.